And we are back. This is Moving Forward with Young Voices on the Fed by Ravens Media Network. And I'm very happy to welcome Tamina Debozorgi uh, back to the show. She's a, kind of a big deal with Young Voices. I don't know if you knew this, but uh, welcome, Tamina. Thank you, Brian. It's really great to be here again. Let's uh, let's catch people up for those who may be meeting you for the first time. Uh, tell us just a little bit about yourself. You've got a kind of fascinating background and lots of interesting possibilities yet ahead of you. Um, So I am the public relations associate at Young Voices. What I do is that I help young journalists who are interested in getting involved in the world of media and academia to get their foot in the door. Um, I help them to get on podcasts, TV and YouTube shows all the time. And it's really fascinating to see, you know, when I help someone to get on a show and then like how their career moves forward after that. It's, It's such a fulfilling thing. I see that you and I have kind of a fun topic to tackle today, too, and that's how political correctness infects our speech and our ideas. And, and I want you to know, I feel safer talking about this with you than I would with most people, just because I know that uh, you're not a uh, particularly rigid adherent to political correct you know, speech and so forth. <laughs> Where do you begin to, to cover something like how uh, political correctness has, has infiltrated our language and, and affecting how we communicate? Yeah, it's a really great question. Um, You know, since I started getting involved in politics, uh, I talk to a lot of voters all the time Uh, during the 2016 election. I talked to a lot of Trump voters and I asked them, "Okay, why did you vote for Trump? And kind of like most of them were telling me that, well, because the guy is real. He speaks from the heart. He doesn't censor himself. He doesn't talk like a politician. That's why I trust him. I think he's real. So. Then I got curious, like, what is it that makes people so interested in someone like Trump versus someone like Obama? And, you know, the bottom line is Trump was not politically correct. He wasn't scared of sugar, you know, like just speaking plainly. So he didn't sugarcoat things. And of course, he didn't use the language that most politicians do. And I guess a lot of Americans are kind of cracking into this ingenuine uh, vocabulary that a lot of politicians use these days. So uh, he came off as, you know, very authentic and made him a lot of friends and also a lot of enemies. Um, And then afterwards, I got more curious to deep dig deeper into this. And I came across Michael Knoll's new book, uh, Speechless, Controlling Words, Controlling Mind. And uh, he had a very, very fascinating take on political correctness, which I found extremely unique compared to what I used to hear from a lot of um, conservative pundits. He points out that uh, political correctness comes from the deep roots of our language. It's not a political thing necessarily, but it comes from perverting English itself. Wow. Well, and I when when you mentioned the title of his book, Controlling Words, Controlling Mind, that is that's really what it comes down to. I look, I've been watching political correctness uh, pretty closely for probably the last 25 years or so. I mean, I've really paid attention to it. And those who uh categorize it or who would describe it as a, a, a form of cultural Marxism, you know, where there's there's a purity, there's a party purity that has to be observed and, you know, inappropriate thoughts, inappropriate words aren't allowed. That was always, at least within the Communist Party, that was part of controlling people's minds, keeping them, you know, within the boundaries of what was approved opinion. 
It's so odd, though, to see this 25 years down the road and see how far those inroads have gone here in what what used to be, you know, a very free society. Absolutely. And um, maybe when you look at political correctness as a definition, um, maybe it's better to be mindful of using certain words instead of others. It might not sound that terrible, right? Our language is constantly evolving. Uh, However, the issue we're facing with political correctness is that its enforcement has become a barrier to communication or having real conversation. And also it has become a tool to marginalize and insult people. I mean, it was supposed to be doing the opposite it, but it's now actually uh, insulting groups of people and or it's act, uh, putting them into groups that they aren't part of. And it's not really solving the real issue. Uh, one of the examples that Michael Knowles uh, kind of pointed out in his book that kind of was interesting to me and made me think about it was that he talked about using the word African-American these days instead of black and how a lot of people on the left are so vigilant about using it. First of all, not a lot of black people in America are African or American. They come from other parts of the world. And also using those words instead of each other doesn't really address the real issues that their community is facing. It won't really resolve a generational poverty issue or uh, racism, none of those things. So it has become more of a distraction versus solving the real issues that we ought to be talking about. And he also points out to a lot of myths that people on the right really um, are stuck into. They think that political correctness is a form of censorship or it's a form of shutting down speech. No, it's not. It's it's more than that. People who have been institutionalizing political correctness in our academia and media have a great understanding of freedom of speech and also censorship. Um, that's why they don't go and just shut you down like with force, they do it slowly and surely. Um, on my op-ed, I discussed this, that usually people on the right think this is a, like a top-bottom issue, that people on the top are enforcing political correctness, but it's the opposite. It's a bottom-top issue. It has started from the very, very basis of our language and has gotten all the way, worked it all the way up to our politics and media. It's interesting, too, the mental gymnastics that are involved to be politically correct. Case in point, you'd mentioned, you know, um, referring to to blacks as African-Americans. I remember a few years ago uh, watching with wonder a, a, a newscast and there was a young reporter. She was in Africa. She was actually in Africa and she's reporting and she's, she gestures to this group of people and these African-American uh, Africans. I was like, <laughs> it's OK. You could just call them Africans and nobody should be offended. But clearly she was taking political correctness into account and did not want to misstep because, you know, there may be a landmine waiting for. Yeah. And you would be surprised how bad this issue has gotten, especially as a student being in California, how much I've encountered it. Michael knows himself. He used to come to campuses here and there were several instances that his event was shut down by um, left wing activists, uh, students or even the administration. And that was totally considered to be acceptable in the eyes of the general public because he was a conservative and his speech was considered to be offensive just because he's a conservative. Uh, and if the student activists 
were aggressive or they uh, physically attacked a speaker, that was totally fine in the eyes of the general public because their violence is considered to be politically correct. And you see wow. that there is this double standard here. And again, being a student in California um, has really opened my eyes to it, coming across this issue a lot of times. And I'm really happy that um, Michael Knowles wrote this book because I believe every single conservative and also um, liberal person needs to read this book and really understand what are the harms of political correctness as a form of perversion of English speech. Language is a lot more important than we think. Right. I mean, we, we focus on science and we focus on, you know, um, other applied you know, knowledge. But when it comes to, to language, um, if, if our language is, is corrupted, if our language is is uh, distorted, that can leave a lot of people in the dark, you know, whether it's deliberately or, or on accident. Absolutely. If you even look at history, the um, colonists, wherever they went, the first thing they did was to take away the language of the people. Their native language was taken away and therefore their identity, the way way they were thinking was taken away from them. Definitions matter a lot. And right now we are facing a battle ahead of us that is not fought on our political arenas or even in our academia is fought in the deep roots of our language. And um, I commend uh, Michael Knowles for his um, take on this issue. And uh, I appreciate him uh, having such a fresh take on this, talking about something that a lot of conservatives or liberals think it's not worth talking about anymore because it's a lost cause or there's nothing to do about it anymore. Tom, and uh, you, you're, you're very outspoken in, in, you know, which is a good thing, you know, your position with young voices and so forth. Do you find yourself hesitating, especially in a school setting? Do you, do you catch yourself and have to kind of mentally parse what you're about to say? Absolutely. Uh, I felt the same way during the first couple years of my undergrad. And then I kind of broke away from it. I was like, this is not who I am. I, I don't want to censor myself. And I started speaking plainly during my classes at UCLA. And you know what? The professors actually appreciated it. They they considered me as someone with different opinions. And I got a lot of opportunities. Professors invited me to do research with them uh, because they thought I was had a different take. So it can open a lot of doors. And I think it starts from us. We shouldn't shut ourselves out. Okay. I'm, I love the column that you've written here for uh, the OC Register. Um, tell people where else they can, can find your work. Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at D-E-T-A-H-M-I-N-E-H and also on Young Voices' website, young-voices.com. So good to catch up with you. Great to be here, Brian. Thank you.